Yeah, okay. So, uh, we are going to be talking about um, etiquette, I guess you could say, in swinging when it comes to, you know, if your partner has a say in who you play with or, um, like, what that protocol looks like for different dynamics, you know, as far as play goes with other people. And then in poly, we are going to discuss new relationship energy or NRE. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go into detail on that, give some uh, experience, some pros and cons, uh, things to look for, etc. And then in the kink and BDSM segment, this is your wheelhouse yes. where you are going to talk all about pegging. Mm-hmm. Both male and female, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And then um, you're going to want to stick around for the end of the show, guys, because I'm going to uh, dig into testosterone replacement therapy. Uh, I know we touched on that in the last men's health thing, but this segment is going to be dedicated just to that. So are you ready to get into this? Heck yeah. Heck yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Then let's fucking do it. All right. It's a pineapple party. Oh, we got polyamory too. What's that? You want a kink fest? A little BDSM? Well, buckle up, buttercups, because we got that too. It's the Kitchen Sink ENM and Kink Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Kitchen Sink E&M and King Podcast. I am your host, Pedro, and I am here with my beautiful wife, Miss Tink. Hello, everyone. So this week, uh, we've got some good topics, I think. Yeah. You know, these are some pretty uh, important things in the different lifestyles that definitely need to be addressed. Um, and it's going to be useful for newbies and people that have been in it for a while. So let's start off with swinging, like we always do. What are we talking about today? Break it down for me, Tink. All right. So what, when it comes to swinging and you find somebody, whether you know, you're at a house party or you're at a hotel takeover or at a resort, that you know things are clicking, you're thinking that it's in the direction of playing, and... You're ready to go, but do you feel obligated or is it a common ground between you and your partner of needing to discuss with them or introduce this person that you're interested in to your partner? Hmm. Well, obviously, it's dependent on your dynamic and your boundaries and rules and all that. Um, So let's start with the most common, you know, the four-way couple swap. Yes, Obviously, everybody has to be on board for a play to happen. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, say you are not feeling the other couple, whether you're not feeling the guy or you think, you know, maybe the female just isn't the right fit, you know, for me or whatever, Mm -hmm. you can be like, eh, I'm not into it. Right. And that shuts the whole thing down. Right. Because it would be the four way. So everybody has to be on board. Okay. So that's easy common knowledge you know don't take one for the team yeah we've kind of reiterated that many times because it kind of sets it up for 
a bad time for not only then but also later because you're always going to have that in the back of your mind that you know well this time i did it and you know my partner didn't so it's not fair right and it's not fair to the other couple either no so i think the next biggest dynamic um where this is important would be for the unicorn hunters yeah so now when we look for a unicorn Generally, you look for them because I don't really care. I'm looking for that girl time. So it's one of those where it's kind of like a bonus if she wants to include you. And then that's where it works out as far as her being that unicorn for us. But it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And if you find a, a woman, you know, that is open to playing with you and me, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm not feeling it, I just let you guys do your thing. Yeah. Um, but for me, in that situation, though, I don't really care if, uh, like, if I'm included or not. So all I really would expect from you if, you know, like, say I wasn't interested is just to let me know, like, hey, I'm going to go play with her. Right. And that's kind of more of, like, a where are you going to be kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a safety thing. Yeah. So that way I at least know, okay, you're going to be in that playroom or, you know, in this part of the club or hotel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Um, now, let's go into the fact that we play solo. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is a big thing, I think, for, you know, hot wife couples, just solo playing couples, and also... um people that have partners who may play differently than they do. Okay. You know, so like say it's a hot wife couple, Mm -hmm. but the husband also plays separately. Right. So I feel like where a lot of problems occur, especially with the hot wives that have husbands that play separately is that couple is known that the wife goes and plays. Mm Mm-hmm. So when women approach the husband, I feel like they kind of forget that he's also a part of a couple. Yes, I was just thinking that, like, because, you know, she could be off already doing her thing. He's there by himself. They automatically just assume he's a solo guy and he doesn't have a partner. So they don't even think twice about it. Well, I mean, even if they know who he is, you know, they just don't think about it because, you know, like perhaps the wife plays so much. Right. And it's just, you know, they always see him by himself. Okay. Um, I, I think where the etiquette falls short in that dynamic mm-hmm. is the women approaching the husband kind of forget like, hey, I should probably say something to the wife. I feel like that is definitely something that occurs very often that they they do forget to, you know, make that effort to you know find the other half and be like hey you know i'm interested in you know playing with your man you know i just wanted to run that by you make sure you're on the same page you know what's going on we're gonna you know go find a room and i feel like that is just out of respect and that is just kind of like it's kind of like not like a bro code but like a girl code i feel well i mean i think it's 
respectable for men to do the same thing. Like, you know, if, if you're going to play with a solo playing female, you should at least acknowledge the husband, you know, and be like, hey, just want to introduce myself. You know, I'm Pedro, and I'd really like to go play with your wife. You know, she wants to take me back to a room. I just wanted to say hi. See, okay, I'm glad that you kind of brought that up because that to me is actually a turn on. Like, and I don't think many have come across in our endeavors to come out and say something to you where I was present. I'm not saying that I have to be present for it, but I think that it gets like we walked up to you almost like, not like you were giving the permission, but just kind of like, I'm going up to daddy. I'm being like, hey. I found this gentleman, he would like to play, and he's the one who, like, like finishes the conversation of, like, hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, Tink and I have been talking, I think me and her would be a really good match, and I'd like to play with her, you know, are we cool with that, or whichever, I think, like, that to me is a super big turn-on. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and, of course, from, like, the husband or the partner's perspective, I mean, it gives us a chance to kind of play that protector, you know, on the last line of defense. Yeah, <laughs> it is technically the last line. Because, you know, you admittedly are not great at reading people. I'm not. And I'm pretty good at it. Yes. So in that short conversation. You could find a red flag. I could get a bad vibe from him. Yeah. And be like, eh, you know, actually... We were supposed to go do this. Yeah. You know, like not be an asshole about it, but just politely excuse you from that situation if I had to. Mm -hmm. um, but it does show me that, you know, the guy's at least trying to be respectful and, you know, let me know who he is, where you guys will be, you know, which is good etiquette. Yeah. So women and men who deal with solo playing people, whether it's hot wives, hot husbands, or, you know, just general solo playing people need to keep that in mind. Just because they play solo doesn't mean they are not part of a couple. So I think one of the important things too, is if you see someone who looks like they are solo because, you know, you got to the party later or you just didn't see them with their significant other, make sure to ask, yeah. Because you're never going to know if they're not near each other for, you know, four hours. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was just going to say something about this. Mm -hmm. In your opinion. Okay. So say you were off playing, whether it's a guy, girl, it don't matter. You are gone playing mm -hmm. and a woman approaches me about play while you're not around. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously... I don't feel like I should have to wait an hour or two hours for you to get done playing before I let this woman know, like, you know, yeah, I can go play now. Right. So in that circumstance, <clears throat> you know, how would you feel if her and I went and played without her saying hi to you or whatever? How I think I would handle that um, is – you know, when I was done and I was kind of like looking for you and couldn't find you, I would assume that probably somebody would say, oh, hey, I saw him go with so-and-so. I'd be like, okay, 
And then I would expect you when you were done to come to me and, you know, fill me in on, you know, what just went down. Well, I mean, I would send you a text, like, even though I know you wouldn't see it right away. Oh, I would at least say, Hey, you know, got approached for play. Okay. I'm going to go do this. I think I would be, it would, I would be better with that because then like, okay, I didn't physically get to hear you say it or like we weren't face to face to talk about it. Um, but at least I was given the heads up. So that way, like as soon as I'm done, I knew right away you were in the middle of something and, or, you know, got started. And then when you were done, we would, you know, debrief. Yeah. Cause I mean, in a perfect world, we would both be around right. for when the other person is approached for play. Right. But, but sometimes that doesn't happen. It's not always going to happen, especially at events where there's a lot of solo playing people. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's like single guys or single women, you know, and it's not just couple for couple type stuff. Right. So I think, and, and like for me, like I would understand it. And obviously like I would be okay with it. Like I wouldn't be upset per se if, you know, say I was off playing and you decided to go play without somebody at least, you know, saying hi to me or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's only because you know i feel like i have to be a little more protective of you yeah and like i would still i like like the idea of you know sending a message you know text message to you it'll be like hey i found so and so this is his name we're gonna go you know over here in this room or this part of the the place and i'll meet up with you once we're done which i mean like is all well and good right you know, and what I would expect from like a safety standpoint, but right. I'm just saying like me as a man, I would be a little like off put. Okay. If it's somebody that we didn't know. Right. Like it was like, you never even got to speak to him before. You've never seen him. Right. And it'd be different where like, if you even just met him briefly, said hello, had a little bit of an exchange of conversation. Right, so for I can five, at least like minutes. read his character right. before you went and played with him. Right. Because I know you aren't good at that. No. You just, you know, get attracted to, attracted some, to somebody and then you're like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Like, I think I'm sold. <laughs> right. Where, you know, I have a bit more of a discerning eye. Yeah. Which is helpful for me and, you know, in, in general and... The lifestyle. So just to be clear, though, like, you know, for our listeners or perhaps new listeners that don't quite know me yet, I wouldn't be mad and it wouldn't become like an issue. But when you were done, I would definitely bring it up and be like, hey, you know, I didn't know this guy. Mm -hmm. I would have preferred if you waited till I was done. Fair enough. Now, if it's somebody that I'm friends with or whatever. I could give a shit less. Right. Just let me know where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, other than that, like I'm good with it. Okay. Um, now I feel like, uh, for some of the other, uh, dynamics that you see where there is that separate player, separate room type stuff. This is something that couples really have to, you know, hammer out on their own as far as what they expect from each other. Like there's no steadfast rule as to what should happen. Mm -hmm. But if 
you expect your partner to tell you, you know, what they're doing and, you know, who they're with and all this stuff. I feel like it's at least respectful for the person that they're going to play with to at least try to reach out to, you know, you or, or your partner, mm-hmm. whatever the situation is, just to, you know, say hi and, you know, I appreciate, you know, you letting me play with your partner, blah, blah, blah. And like I said before, it is kind of one of those things where it means a lot, especially for me being that we do play solo. It means a lot for me to have that woman reach out to me and say, hey, I'm interested and I'd like to play with him. This is how I go about things or this is what I'm into. And I would really like to, you know, get that opportunity to play with him. But I wanted to reach out to you and, you know, kind of make a contact, basically, Um Because that, to me, already tells me that you're thinking about me already, even though I'm not a part of it. But you're thinking of, you know, how I will foresee, you know, you playing with somebody who I've never met before, I've spoken to. Even if I didn't get to actually, like, physically speak to them, just reaching out and saying something to me, whether, you know, just in a text message or whatever, that in itself is enough to kind of put my mind at ease and make me go, you know what? I think this girl's a good fit because she's she kind of went and did that extra step that a lot of women don't do. And what are your thoughts for, say, women that you're already kind of close to? So, like, let's just give an example of Brenna. Okay. You know, we're going to Pod Bash. Mm-hmm. She's expressed interest in playing with me. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, obviously I've expressed interest in playing with her. Now, I kind of have a feeling like she would reach out to you yeah, and be like, hey, I just want to make sure this is okay, but right. I want to play with Pedro. Right, and I would do the same for her. But if that wasn't an option, mm-hmm. you know, like say you're off playing or you're busy off somewhere else and we have a moment that we can actually get away and play. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, does it even bother you at all or? No, not really. Um, I actually kind of like, I think to me, because like we're at this like friend stage where like, I would just be like, oh, cool. You guys got to actually like have a moment to make it happen. Like, that's awesome. I hope you had a great time. Like, I don't think I would be bothered by it or, you know, be upset that I wasn't filled in right away. Like before you guys were like, hey, we got a moment. We're going to go play. Is that cool? You know, like, I would be just like, just let me know afterwards. Like, did you have fun? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's how I feel when it comes to our friends. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm not around when you and whoever decide, like, hey, we have a chance to go play. Let's go do this. Yeah. Like, I don't give two shits. <laughs> if Well, you know, like, I'd be in, like, good hands, so. Well, yeah, I mean, and because I know, like, I don't really think we have any friends that aren't interested in playing with you. Probably not. So if you text me and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to play with so-and-so mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Like I would still like one, you know, that message just so is as the heads up. Cause I feel like anybody, even if you weren't like in a lifestyle setting, if you were, 
to walk into any room and not find your partner, there's that slight panic that oh, yeah. kind of comes across. So just to have that text that's that, oh, okay, I, I won't worry then when I get to wherever I am after I'm done and he's not there or she's not there. Like, oh, okay, I know where we're, we're at. And you don't have that panic set in. Yeah, because I mean... Like, that's really the only like thing that like comes to my mind is like, oh my God, where did he go? <laughs> exactly. I mean, and like we... I kind of had that with you at Naughty when uh, oh, when I you went to the bathroom and then decided to, you know, go run up to Brian and Brenda's room to get stuff and all yeah, that. Yeah, well, I had And you forgotten. were gone for like half an hour. I forgot my bag and then I got stuck in the elevator that kept going up and down. Right. But <laughs> I mean, I even went to the bathroom and asked uh, the woman from the upside down pineapple uh, merchandise stand mm-hmm. to go in the bathroom and look for you. Yeah. <laughs> And that was that was a whole hot mess, and like I, I was trying to send the message to you, and then also trying to get a hold of Brian and Brendan because they weren't at their room, and I was just like, "But they said they were." Right, but, <laughs> but luckily, you, but you didn't have service. I didn't. I didn't have you were service. In the elevator. Right. So I didn't get the message until like I found you. Exactly, because you're like, "Oh, I just got your message now," and I was like, "What? I sent that when I was in the elevator," and you're like, "That would be why I didn't get it." I was like, "Oh." Yeah. So, I mean. That does suck. And, you know, obviously things like that can happen. You know, like it literally was supposed to be a five minute thing. I wasn't doing any, there was no play happening. I was literally grabbing my bag, but we were separated for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And, and it was no, a few, it was like half an hour. Was it half an hour? Yeah. You were gone for a well, while. Well, I did go pee first. Right. <laughs> but then I think the reason why I had gone up was that they had messaged me saying that they were going to be going to bed. Right. But you said that you had to wait in line for the elevator too. I did. And that's like a 10 minute process there. It was, well, it was, it was a very long process in all stages of it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like that text is important mm-hmm. if you can do that, or at least leave a message for somebody that's going to be where your partner's coming back to. Yeah. If you can't like have your phones at an event or something, mm-hmm. you know, get one of your friends or somebody to be like, Hey, I'm supposed to tell you. <laughs> You know, Tink yes. went and played yes. with so-and-so and, we and they're did, in this room or whatever. We did that a lot when we did the hotel takeovers because right. we had like our, our group of people that we all hung out with and we looked out for each other and, and we looked out for each other's spouses. So right. it was definitely nice to have that because most of the time we didn't have our phones on us. No. And it no, was because there you couldn't have your phones out. Right. So it was definitely a lot easier in that essence because somewhere along the line in the hallway someone was going to see you or me and be able to be like yo he's with so and so i was supposed to let you know if you want to hang out with me like that's fine i'll keep an eye on you and that's usually what we would do yeah because i'm sure nobody minded having to, to keep their eye me? on you yeah. <laughs> naked tank running around a hotel takeover <laughs> oh darn i have to watch you <laughs> yeah just feed me alcohol and some snacks <laughs> rub my booty i rub my booty yes yeah. rub my booty all right well i mean i hope that was helpful for people that you know maybe thinking about playing solo or you know getting into like the different dynamics where this is really important mm-hmm. um i think so because it, it gets overlooked a lot yeah you know especially in those dynamics where playing solo is like expected mm-hmm. they almost forget there's another half yeah And I mean, it's easy to do that, but you kind of have to put it as like a little mental note in the back of your head of like, oh yeah, just because they're playing solo doesn't mean they don't have somebody else that I need to be aware of. Right. So, all right. 
good talk. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to polyamory and new relationship energy. N-R-E. Ooh, man. It's been a while since we've had some uh, N-R-E. It has been. Um, but that feeling doesn't go away. I mean, like, you you remember it very clearly. Yes. I mean, hell, like, I still remember it from when you and I started dating. I know. So. Like, I, I can go back to, like, it's so strong of a memory that I can go back to the exact moment of when, like, I felt it when it, like, first started. Like, I can picture everything. Really? Yeah. When did that start for you? That was when we first started dating and we were at the place that I was pet sitting at uh-huh. and we were in the kennel area and it was where I'm like, we had this like really long or at least it felt long makeout session. And I'm pretty sure there was snow outside and you had the Dodge there parked in the parking lot. And that was actually, I think the first time that you had told me that you loved me. And I was like, what (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was the the nre feeling for me okay yeah i think mine started (laughs) before that before that yeah it was when we went on our our date to cracker barrel that we never made it inside to that was your fault (laughs) well either way that's when it started for me oh i mean i don't remember i don't forget that one either but i i feel like for mine, it was the kennel. But that was literally, they were only, they were only five days apart. I know. <laughs> At least it was in the same week. So when we started dating some of the women that we've dated, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like there was one or or more that were like super strong and some that maybe that weren't? Yes. Okay. So. Like our first one that we had, I felt like. It was pretty strong. No, not the first one. The second one. The second one that we had, I felt like it was pretty strong. But then I feel like the one that we had prior to moving to Alabama wasn't as strong as I would have liked it to have been. Like, I felt like it was stronger on your end than it was on mine. I I agree with that. But I think a lot of it, though, <clears throat> came down to... You were still jaded from the one before that. And you had your guard up really high. I did, yeah. So, So, I mean, I take full, you know, responsibility on on the NRE not really forming as strong in my direction. Yeah, because I feel like she tried. Oh, yeah. Like. I definitely, I can see that. And I don't, that's why, like, I feel like we, we, it was good. And, like, we were building, it was just really, really small baby steps. Yeah, and for us, it was, like, off to the races. Yeah, yeah. And now, how did that affect you? Like, when you saw me and her kind of, like, way up here when it came to, like, our time and attention and all that, and you weren't quite there? Well, I kind of felt like, I guess I kind of felt left not le- well yeah i did i kind of felt like i was left out and that i was playing catch up so no matter what i did like i always kind of felt like i was behind where you guys were so much further ahead 
in doing different parts of the relationship. You were more advanced in, you know, the physical aspects, um, the emotional too. And I was still like slowly like chipping away at it. And do you ever think that there was a point where you wanted to say something like, you know, that it was bothering you that much where you had to be like, it's kind of bothering me that you guys are here and I'm down here. I think there was a part of me that wanted to say something, but there was also the part of me that was like, well, maybe I just need to give it more time. And maybe I wasn't giving enough because of the fact that I did have my guard up. So I wasn't putting my A game on like I typically would. Yeah, and I mean, for people that practice poly, you know, in like a V configuration or, you know, they have uh, like multiple metas, mm-hmm. where, you know, they're not connected. Um, I, I feel like people need to understand that NRE is definitely a real thing. It doesn't mean that you're being replaced. It's just that excitement of something new. Yeah. And I think that's like what sometimes bothered me is when I saw the NRE between you and our partners and me not having that same amount so I would sometimes kind of feel that replacement feeling, even though that's not what was going on <clears throat> at all, because obviously we were in this all together. It was just like, I wanted to be in the same spot that you were, but we just, we just weren't there no matter, you know, what was going on on my end or her end or whatnot. We just weren't there yet. And I really tried my best to, you know, treat you the same way that I had before, you know, like we started dating these women. Mm-hmm. So that way you didn't feel like that. Yeah. But I think you would get in your head so bad sometimes. Oh yeah, I would. That even if I showed you more attention and affection than I did anyone else, like it still didn't matter because it was already in your head, you know, that there's a potential that you could be replaced. Yeah. Even though that wasn't the case at all. Right. And you would reiterate that all the time that I was never going to be replaced. But I think it's like sometimes you just get something stuck in your head and you just cannot get it out. And that's one of the biggest cons of NRE. You know, excuse me. Allergies are killing me lately. (laughs) Um, It's so strong. And... Mm -hmm. If you're not self-aware, like when you're in that new relationship energy situation, if you're not aware of your other partners Mm -hmm. and how you're treating them and, you know, how much time you're spending with them, it can become a big problem. And honestly, it's a big reason why a lot of uh, polyamorous relationships fail. Right. You know, it usually happens when somebody starts dating someone new. Yeah. So... You need to be mindful of that. And try to keep your attention and your efforts still where you had them at prior to you starting this new relationship. Yeah. And it can be very exhausting for the person who's in that new relationship because, you know, 
the new relationship energy, that's where a lot of your relationship is built. Yeah, it is. So, like, you don't want to dial it down because that could affect your entire relationship with that person. Right. But you also don't want to go overboard to where you make your other partners feel insecure about their relationship with you. Mm-hmm. It's like a very fine line that you have to balance on. It is. And like for me personally, I like to communicate, you know, with my partners and, you know, be like, am I doing too much? You know, is, are you okay with this? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Not that I'm seeking approval. I just want you to know that I care, you know, how you're feeling about me and my new relationship. Mm-hmm. Because all of my relationships are equally as important. Right. There's no there's no hierarchy on it. No. And, and that can be a difficult thing because, you know, you and I have such a great relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want with somebody else. But... You know, that person has to understand that I still have to maintain that energy with you. Right. So, you know, at times it may seem like I may pull out of that NRE with them. I'm really not, but I have to make sure I'm giving you that same type of energy. Yeah. And it can be exhausting, and sometimes it just burns you out, you know. Now, do you feel like the NRE stage lasts for a certain amount of time or is it really just dependent on each relationship? I really think it's it's dependent on the relationship because I feel like our NRE, when we started dating, lasted like almost two years. Yeah. Or close to it. Yeah, I mean, that was... A- it was like basically right before you got pregnant. Yeah. And then, of course, once you got pregnant... The NRE dies because there's... <laughs> Everything <laughs> dies when you get pregnant. <laughs> you know, because it's just... There's so much more than just the two of you now to think about. Yeah. But... There's a lot more stress that gets added on to the does. I think that's kind of weirdly what ends up killing the NRE is having stress involved. Right. I mean, and it could be everyday life stress, mm-hmm. you know, work stress, other relationship stress. But I think each relationship is different. And it has to take its own course because like I said earlier, that's what builds that relationship. How you act in your NRE stage is kind of the blueprint for your relationship. Yeah. You know, so that's why I feel it's important to run with it, but don't run so fast that you're leaving your other partners behind. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good uh, a tip on that. Yeah, so just be mindful. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, you know, for the the parties involved, but it can be a stressful thing for other partners. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Make sure that you're communicating with everybody and, uh, you know, just make sure that you're being ethical in everything that you're doing. You know, don't hide things because you're uh, afraid it's going to hurt your other partner's feelings. You know, be open. Mm-hmm. Because and if something's bothering you, you need to say something about it. Right. And if, if one of your other partners says something, you have to be willing to listen, you know, and perhaps compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, well, 
I'm in a new relationship, so I have to do whatever I have to do. Right. Like, you have to understand that you may have to compromise, and you may have to talk to your new partner and be like, hey, I need to compromise on this because my other partner or partners are feeling this kind of way. Mm-hmm. And they're either going to understand or they're not, you know. But that's a big part of building your polycule. Yeah. And there's lots of different parts that all kind of come together for it to work. <coughs> so, Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of covers the new relationship energy. I think so. You know, I mean. It's a great thing. It really is. Because, I mean, it it sparks when me and you are away from home. <laughs> it definitely does. Like, when we get away, when we go on trips. It's, like, right back to how it was when we first started dating. Yeah. And I love that. So, I always look forward to it. Or any little trip that me and you get to do together. Because we yeah, it's can like reconnect. We get to leave the bullshit of life behind. Yeah. And then we're only focused on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like when we go on trips, usually it's for swinging. Right. <laughs> so obviously there's other people involved in that too. But <laughs> like we have a great time together, even if we are with other people. Yes. <laughs> so... It's definitely fun, you know, when we get to get back to that. And uh, I'm looking forward to Pod Bash for sure. Me too. E- even though, like, we kind of have some plans for out there. You know, like, we, we, ha- we have people we'd like to play with and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm really looking forward to that four days with you. And I get to be on a plane for the first time. And you have to try to keep me calm. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. (laughs) All right. So let's bounce into your segment here. Okay. Where you talk to us about pegging. Yes. What Uh, is pegging? Oh, what is pegging? Really? Yeah. All for our listeners. Maybe somebody doesn't know. Okay. So basically pegging is when a man would be getting a strap on or even you know if i wasn't a female a male would be fucking him in the ass and that would be pegging well i mean it's when a female wears a strap on and fucks a dude in the ass well yeah i guess that would be really yeah if it's two guys that's just their thing just (laughs) gay sex yeah that's true I was just thinking because, you know, it's a dick, an actual dick. And, yeah, you know, no. but yeah, technically it would just be a female wearing a strap on. Um, so it could actually work too with a female. Well, yeah. I mean, when two chicks are together, mm-hmm. if one is fucking the other one, either in the vagina or in the ass, I mean, you have to wear a strap on. Okay. So it's the only way that will work. But for guys, what works and makes it so nice for them is because. They have basically the female equivalent of a G-spot, which is their prostate, that gets massaged while you are using your strap-on. So it is super pleasurable when you get the right spot, same as us women. So it is definitely something fun that I have been always uh, fantasized about. And once I've done it, I was like, yes, this is definitely something that I'm into, and I love doing this to men. <laughs> okay, and but what what makes you love doing it? 
like to men? Like, what is it about pegging a guy that you're like, oh my god? Okay, so this is so hot. This is kind of a twofold thing. So because most people would think putting something in a dude's ass not that hot. Really? Uh, I mean, like well, I mean, from like the watching standpoint. Yeah, from the like, watching mm. standpoint. So okay, this is why I'm saying this is like a twofold thing, and it's funny that you say you know from a watching standpoint. So what I legit love is to spread the cheeks and watch as I insert my strap on into their ass. Like that, that little bit right there just does something for me internally that turns me on and makes me feel like I'm like the ruler of like, this is, this is my shit. This is my jam basically. So you feel like a bad bitch. Yes. When you have a cock that's attached to you yes. via a harness mm -hmm. is penetrating the guy's asshole <laughs> and you're just watching it sink inch by inch. Yes. And I will spread the cheeks and just watch that happen. And I love grabbing a hold of the ass as I'm doing it. Like that just kind of heightens that whole sensation and that whole visual that I'm getting. So now do you feel like this is because like, that's kind of the uh, the essence of, you know, how you get fucked. No. So it's like a role reversal? Um, I don't really feel like it's it's a role reversal. I just feel, well, oh, well, maybe a little bit because of me feeling like I'm the dominant one then versus always being the submissive. So, like, it's not so much the act of, like, you know, grabbing those cheeks that makes me feel like that's the role reversal, but the feeling like I'm the one who is taking charge and I'm able to do this is what I kind of see as like that role reversal. But like, do you feel like, okay, as you're watching that strap on, like disappear inch by inch, uh -huh. do you think it turns you on too? Because like, you know exactly how that feels. Or like you think you know how that feels because obviously that's what you've had done to you your entire life. So really where I'm seeing it as is as I'm sinking the dildo in, like I'm listening to the sounds they make. So I'm listening to, you know, the, Ooh, like, cause it, you know, kind of hurts. It kind of burns to the, Oh, because it's starting to like feel good and I'm hitting the spot and then they're really turned on because, you know, I'm also stroking their cock and, you know, their cock is also really hard while I'm doing this. So I know they're enjoying it. And overall, that whole essence together is what basically, you know, turns me on about it and, you know, makes me really enjoy it. Okay. I mean, I can see that. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I enjoy is, you know, we kind of already talked about it, is that I get to be the switch. So I get to be the dominant one. But now, would you get the same amount of enjoyment out of it if a guy wanted you to peg him, but like he didn't really want you to be like dominant, you know, like say like you are to me. Okay. Like he, he just, just wants to be pegged. Yeah, he just wants to be pegged and like have his dick stroked or whatever. That would still be okay with me. Like I, 
I definitely enjoy doing it in general. So it doesn't need to be where I'm being dominant over them or degrade them or nothing like that. If they just want me to fuck their ass and stroke their cock for them till they come, I'm okay to do that because that will still be fun for me. And does it turn you on as much or yeah, 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 it still does. It definitely still does. And again, it comes down to, you know, not a whole lot of guys like to be, or I can't say that there's a lot of guys that like to be pegged. Not a lot of guys that admit they like to be pegged. So for that to even occur is already a turn on. And it already excites me to know that they're going to one want me to do it and they're allowing me to do it. And then in the act of it, it's so pleasurable for them once, you know, it's in and you're getting into it and they're, you know, getting their cock stroked and, you know, their dick is super hard from being penetrated and just all all the different sensations that they're feeling And then, of course, their sounds that they're making. All of that wrapped together is what I enjoy. So, though, I, you know, don't need to have that dominant part. I don't, I think I just really enjoy giving the pegging experience. Okay, so, and I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but obviously, as a guy. Right, you want to know. Like, I don't know what the female perspective is on this. Uh Uh-huh. So, do you have like a size preference that you like to use or that you would like to use that makes it hotter for you? Or is it just as hot to use like, say like a little four inch, you know, dildo compared to say some dude wanted, you know, a 10 inch Coke can thick dildo. So for me, I would use like the like normal average size dildo for normal any everyday kind of playing or someone who who does want to have some of that dominance but if someone wanted a really large dildo attachment or like you said like coke bottle or even bigger because i've seen uh a couple of videos before of i mean it kind of looks like a dildo but it's more almost like a traffic cone is kind of what it looks like um but i would have to be super degrading to them and dominant over them for me to do something that big just because I'd feel like it one it's a lot of work with something that big um I have learned that there's a lot of work in general in the hip region when you don't actually have that attached to you physically it's just on a harness you don't get the right angle I can't feel where it is like I know general location but I don't actually feel it like you feel your dick when you put it in my ass. You know, I can't tell what exactly point I'm hitting. So I have to be careful. So if, if they're wanting something larger, I'm not going to possibly be able to have that strapped on to me to do it because I'm going to have to like hold on to it. And it's going to take away from being able to, you know, spread their cheeks the way I want them to be or whatnot. So if they want something larger, we'd have to do this whole, you know, I'm going to dominate you and therefore, you know, I will use anything size that you want and we'll go from there. Okay. So what would you prefer in like a male partner? Like somebody that just wanted the normal or somebody that wanted more on the larger side. Like I'm not talking extreme, Mm -hmm. but like big enough to where you 
want to do all that like degrading and being dominant and all that like what would be your preference if you had a choice my preference would be like an average size because i can still be dominant over them if they want that from me <coughs> and i again my hands would be like freed up and i could really get into it i could still you know stroke their cock at the same time well no I'm, I'm not saying so big that you can't use a strap on oh okay like i'm talking like up to like nine or ten inches um because i've seen some huge strap-ons yeah <laughs> Like, so I think I would have to try using a larger one, seeing how like it fit and how I liked it to be able to go, yeah, that, that could be like my normal versus what I'm used to using right now that I'm comfortable with. And I like, well, I mean, it's not going to be any different. It's just going to be longer. I mean, so you'll I mean, have, you know, like you can stand back a little bit further or, you know, so I like being closer. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i'm not saying that you can't be well, but to start out well like, yeah i mean i guess you would have to be a little bit further away but if the guy wants it and can take it like you can bury it just like you can like a six or seven inch one yeah i mean i would be open to using at all different sizes and see that's the weird thing with you women <laughs> so like when guys watch porn mm -hmm. a lot of times they have a preference for the type of dick they want to see in their porn. Huh. They do. Yeah. Interesting. Because like you have some guys, you know, who may be on the smaller side that have a fantasy, you know, of watching huge dicks, you know, fuck the shit out of these little girls. Hmm. And that's their thing. Like they want to see the biggest dicks go into like the tiniest women. Cut. Okay. And then you have other guys that are, you know, like me, I, I like seeing normal dicks. Okay. So anything from average to, you know, eight inches or so, mm -hmm. that's what I like when I watch porn. Because I like to imagine it could be me. You know, I fall in that, that category. I'm like seven inches. So mm -hmm. if a guy has a dick that looks like mine, I'm like, do it, brother. <laughs> do it for the team. Do you it know. for the team. Because in a lot of porn, it's all huge dicks. It is, like 99% of it. And when I was younger, you know, that's really all there was, was mm -hmm. huge dicks. Like, that's all you saw. Mm -hmm. So you got used to that. And then when they kind of got away from, like, the huge dicks and they went more to, like, that 7, 8-inch, you know, range, mm -hmm. I was like, hey, that kind of looks like me. And that actually turned me on more oh. than watching some, you know, 12-inch dick that's, you know, as thick as a fucking monster can, like, destroy some girl. Because, like, I can't do that. No. Like, why would I want to watch it? Right. Like, no, I that have, makes sense. I have no idea how that feels. I have no idea what that chick is feeling. Like, mm -hmm. because I've never made a chick make those noise. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, so... I like seeing something that's more realistic, but there's definitely guys out there that love seeing that big shit. Yeah. Just like I'm sure there's guys that love seeing like really small dicks because they're like, Hey, that's me mm -hmm. and we can do it too. Yeah. You know, but you women, like you just described for you, it doesn't really matter when you peg somebody like you don't visualize or like you don't, make that connection of size 
to how turned on you get. Yeah. And I think it's because like we don't have that part to begin with. So we do have this option of a varying amounts of size, length, textures, whatever. You guys don't get that. You're just born with what you got. So I think that's why us women really don't. I mean, maybe there are some women that do. Um, but if there are women that are listening that feel the same way that they don't really care what their strap on looks like or what they're going to use, then it's kind of like, maybe it's because we weren't born with it anyway. So well, see, like for me, if I was a woman, if, and, and I was still like the same me, like mm-hmm. if I had my personality, uh-huh. like I know for me, I would want to use a big strap on hmm. because I'm a sadist. Oh, yeah. So I'd be like, <laughs> take it, bitch. Oh, God. Yeah, you would. You would totally do that. But that's me. Now, my I will say, it would be, if I was to say peg a woman, I would leave that kind of, well, I mean, it would be kind of the same thing, I guess, for the guy, because, you know, he could tell me right away what size he wants, and the same as a female could tell me what they want, too. But I feel like us girls don't always want to have like a huge dick in our ass <laughs> so we're not maybe going to want a huge strap on either right well but you girls can fuck each other normal yeah as well you have vaginas yes and there is a lot of women that like big dicks so yeah i mean i feel like does that change for you though like if say like a woman says i want you to use this nine inch dildo and fuck my pussy like, does that turn you on seeing that big thing attached to you, like spreading her open and uh, to be honest, I think it really would depend on how into it she was. So like if she was very vocal during it and I could tell like what I was doing was really like turning on and making her feel good, she was getting, you know, so ready really, to climax, then I would be okay with it Well, okay. or just into it. So what I'm saying is the size doesn't matter to you at all. Like watching it physically does nothing for you. No, no. I think it's just the, the action of itself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. That's what you're getting at. <laughs> because there is people that like when they, they look at what they're doing. Right. You know, that's what turns them on. It's not like really, I mean, it's partly the act, but it's the visual. Yeah. Like, no, it's not really the visual for that. So you just get turned on because you get to pretend to be a guy, basically. That sounds weird. <laughs> I mean, that sounds really weird. But to that's, say. that's what I'm getting here. I mean, <clears throat> because if it's not the visuals of it, mm-hmm. you, you know, because like when I fuck your ass, like part of my love of anal sex with you is watching my cock you know, spread your ass open. Like, that's part of the visual. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I was thicker, it would probably turn me on even more because it would spread your ass even more. Right. And it would hurt more. And then you'd be like, yes, well, this yeah. six side is now really fulfilled. But, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, but it's the same way with regular vaginal sex. Mm. Like, I, I like watching my cock go into you mm-hmm. you know inch by inch but like if it was bigger and i saw you know how it affected your body mm-hmm. 
I think that would turn me on even more than I get turned on now. So, so it's not the act. It's, mm -hmm. it's the visual. So kind of like when, when I'm, you know, pegging from behind and I'm, you know, spreading the cheeks and, you know, watching the dildo go in, like, I like the act of it and, you know, physically doing it, but I can't really say for sure if I, anything about it, like stretching open your, your ass or anyone's ass that I'm with is doing anything for me. And it might be something that the next time that I play that way, you're going to be watching. Yes. You're going to be like, oh. <laughs> like, do I really like this? So we're going to do an update on this and okay. we're going to see the next time if I do feel like, okay, I see what we're talking about because most of the time it was really just, you know, I like the act. Okay. So real quick, mm -hmm. before we get into the men's health, give us some tips for preparing, you know, oh, for yes. guys to prepare to be pegged. The most important thing is to do anal training with a butt plug. Make sure it has a a beveled end so that way it's not going to get sucked back up into your asshole since it is a vacuum. Legit. It will happen. I've had it happen. It's scary as fuck. So make sure it has an end that's not going to go all the way up. Um, you also want to make sure you either eat really clean or you do an enema beforehand. Otherwise, it's going to be a little messy. Yeah. Usually like 30 minutes to an hour beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um and if you've never done an enema, do it before a, a play session, like days before, just so that you know how you react to it. Right, because you don't want to try it, and then all of a sudden you're going to have, like, blowout diarrhea because yeah. it's not happened. Or, like, if you have leakage. Right. You know, because you're shooting water up into your colon and stuff. So it's going to leak back out. Mm -hmm. So you want to know how long it takes. For <laughs> that to occur. Yeah. And then, you know prepare yourself for that right um and then make sure you have lots of lube lots and, and good anal lube. yes like in in my opinion a like a silicone based anal lube mm -hmm. is your best bet yeah the water based actually dissolves and and then it makes it so tacky yeah and then it ends up pulling on the tissue so you want something that's going to stay lubricated throughout the whole entire and there's no session. such thing as too much lube nope make it a slip and slide because yep. that will be very much enjoyable and you're not going to get as many tears. And if that does happen, which, I mean, it happens, it's your asshole, use Preparation H for at least five days to take care of that. And then you yes. should be okay to play again. And keep it nice and clean if you yes. do have any tears or if you get a hemorrhoid or something. Yes. Uh, just use the Preparation H, keep it nice and clean. Yep, baby you, wipes will be your friend. Yep. Um, Those are the, the main tips that I have. And also stay hydrated. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't say that enough. That is definitely a key thing because it lubricates your asshole too. And go slow. Yes. You know, if go. it's your first time, take your time. Even if it's not the first time, go slow put getting it in yes. there. Yes. Just like when you have anal sex with a woman. Yes. Like go slow until, you know, their body accepts it. Yes. And it's going to be that pushback. But. Once it accepts it, you'll know you can slowly let more in ever and keep going until you're all the way in. And then you can start doing your motion back and forth. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Thanks for those tips, Miss Tink. You're welcome. I'm sure there's guys 
like clenching their asshole right now. <laughs> They're going, I can't be near her. <laughs> yep. Like, nothing going in my butthole. That's I mean, fine. Can't knock it till you try it, though. This is true. All right. So let's what? get on to men's health yes. to close out the show. All right. So we're going to talk about TRT or testosterone replacement therapy. It is very common for men in their mid to late 30s and up. Uh, as we get older, our body naturally s slows down on producing testosterone. And unfortunately, with all the crap that we eat and, you know, all the shit that we are subjected to in today's world, uh, it's seeming to happen a lot sooner than it used to. Mm -hmm. So if you have symptoms like you're always tired, you just can't seem to ever have energy, um, you are irritable, you have a hard time staying focused, like if you have that foggy mind, um, you're having issues in the bedroom, you know. And when I say that, it could be as much as, like, yeah, your dick still works, but you just have no sex drive, you know, like you have no libido. That's a big thing. Um, and that's one of the things that I dealt with. Like, I could have sex. Mm -hmm. But I had no drive to make it happen. Like if I, I had to wait for you to be like, are we going to fuck? Yeah. And I'd be like, okay. But I wouldn't, you know, come to you and be like, uh, give me that pussy, which no. is what I used to do. Yeah. So that's like a big thing I dealt with for years and years. Um, and obviously stress is a major contributing factor to lower testosterone levels because cortisol kills testosterone. Um, I went to the doctor and it was a fucking mess because he said, oh, well, you know, you have high blood pressure, you know, you might have sleep apnea, uh, your diet isn't good, blah, blah, blah. But I knew it was more than that. So I did the high blood pressure medicine and all that. That didn't really help. Um, I got my sleep apnea test done. I don't have sleep apnea. And I did this for like a year until I finally was like, dude, test my testosterone. And they did like the, the worst test that you can do. It's and it, like the lowest grade yeah, of testing it, for testosterone. It basically just gave me my total T and it was 208. And what should it, should the range be? Well, back then I was what, 37 mm -hmm. or 38? I, I was 38. 38. My levels should have been according to like, you know, the, the doctors. Who, Recommended. But... Who make the journals and stuff. Yes. They said that I should be like six to 700. But even that is low. Like if you actually talk to an endocrinologist, that's low. Guys that are like under 45 should be close to a thousand. So I was like, fuck. So my doctor wanted to prescribe me 200 milligrams of sipinate testosterone every two weeks. Now I had done some research on my own and everything I've read, like even in medical journals, that is the worst possible thing that you can do. Aside from gels, because gels are not an effective way to absorb testosterone. 
because what you have is you get that 200 milligram shot, you spike up in like the first four days, and then you just start to drop. So you're basically at normal, you know, at your low point for most of that two weeks, except for one little spike. And then you feel like shit because you felt good for a couple days and then all of a sudden you crash. So what's recommended is to do multiple injections of lower doses throughout the week. So that way you don't have those crashes? <clears throat> yes. So <coughs> I ended up going through a telemed uh, clinic called TRT Nation, and I did my phone consultation. You know, they had me go do blood work, all this shit. And the guy's like, yeah, we're going to do 200 milligrams a week. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, we're going to split that up into two shots. So I did that for like First, eight. Like six, eight months? Yeah, it was like eight months. And it brought me up from 208 to 1,100 mm-hmm. in total testosterone. And I was feeling much better. You had a lot more energy. Yeah. But, like, there was still room. Like, I felt like I could still feel better. Mm-hmm. So, now... This whole time, I'm doing research on my own because TRT and all the online clinics and all that stuff, they're fucking expensive. Oh, yeah. Because they know they have you by the balls, literally. So I started looking into things on my own, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to up my dosage to 300 milligrams a week, and that's what I did. But before I did that, though, my balls shrank, like, a lot. Yeah, they did. Like, they were almost gone. And I was like, what you, the fuck? You were very sad. And I was shocked. <laughs> so, I ended up going on HCG, which is like a, a growth hormone. Mm-hmm. And it is also used for fertility in men who take testosterone that are still trying to have kids. Because it still preserves your testicular function Mm -hmm. so that they don't atrophy, which means that they die and they shrink. So and nobody wants shrunken balls. Like my balls went back to like probably like 80%. Yeah, I would say so of their size. So they're not nearly as big as they, they were beforehand, but they're big enough to where I'm not like self-conscious about it. Um, So then I went to the 300 milligrams a week and that definitely helped my libido. Yeah. I think that's when I noticed that you're starting to want it more and I was getting morning wood more. Yes. Yes. That was the big factor that changed. Um, I had a lot more energy. Um, I I actually felt calmer, which I, I, I read into this where if you're on low doses of testosterone, it can actually make you more irritable than if you're on high doses. Hmm. Like there's a sweet spot. Okay. Like you have to get over that low dose and find like a plateau to where you feel really good without being irritable. Cause if you go too high, then you get like what people call roid rage and you know, all that shit. Right. So I was feeling really good. I was feeling pretty mellow Things didn't really bother me like they used to. Um, And I did that for 
like four months. And I felt really good. I mean, but again, I'm like, there's still room, you know, cause I did my blood work. It was all fine. Uh, my total T came up to 1300, mm-hmm. but you know, from talking to some close friends and stuff, like they're above 1500 and I'm like, shit, I want to be above 1500 because I should feel even better. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know what? <clears throat> I can't afford to do TRT like through the clinics. So I found a way to do it on my own. Uh, I'm not going to say how I did that on here, but there is definitely ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started with 400 milligrams of a different type of testosterone. Uh, it is not trend. So don't come at me with that trend bullshit. I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, but it's a multi ester and holy shit. After the first injection, <laughs> this would be where the, the lovely morning hand job came in. Yeah. Like my dick woke me up three fucking times in the middle of the night because it was so hard. It was, it was fucking really hard like it woke me up because i rolled over and i my hand laid on it and it and it like it flicked my hand and i was like what the fuck was that and i woke up fully then and was like holy shit his cock is so fucking hard yeah and you gave me like an amazing blowjob i did like a a, a no hand blowjob i did i gave you because my dick was so fucking hard yeah like I legit just held on to your hips and just gave you a blowjob with my mouth and yeah. nothing else. And and then the following night. Other the other thing I wanted oh, to add. Yes. You were very much turned on by it because you were super into it and very audible. Which you I mean oh, like Well you, the sensation. Yeah. Like <clears throat> okay, guys, I'm sure you remember what your dick felt like during like blow jobs and intercourse and like hand jobs back when you were a teenager, it felt just like that. Like that is amazing. But I still had like the control that you have at 39, 40 years old, you know, to where like, I wasn't going to bust like as soon as, you know, hot tink touched me. But yeah, I'm pretty sure you got like from hand job to the finishing of the blow job. You had like a 20 minute session. Yeah, which is fantastic for me. I mean, yeah. I'm happy with that. But the whole time, it felt like I was 17 years old again. Like that kind of sensation. So then the next night, we fucked. Mm-hmm. Because I got rock hard just from Touching. rubbing your butt. Yeah, you were massaging my butt. And you rode me like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. I was literally like ass twerking on you i was going slow i was going fast i was going deep i was going right at the top i was doing all kinds of things with it you were loving every bit of that and you didn't come and i came like three times and then you finally came and it was freaking hard yeah like very forceful yeah so same as when i had given you the blowjob too like this new testosterone and i'm also uh taking another supplement to go with it um 
but like the stack that I'm on is fucking amazing mm-hmm. for like my sex drive. Like we'll see how it does with my energy levels and all that stuff, my irritability, but for my libido and my bedroom performance, like holy fuck. Yeah, and like in one injection it already had improved. Yeah, one day. Yep. And honestly, that's what I was told would happen. Well, I'm glad that it did happen. <laughs> so that's something, you know, I mean, and I feel like everybody's going to respond differently to different things. Right. But I had responded not so well you to haven't. some other things that I tried. Yeah. That everyone was like, oh, this is this is the ticket. Yeah. You, and it was like, nope. <laughs> you had the complete opposite uh, thing that would occur. Right. So, I mean, th- this works for me. I'm going to ride it out, see how it goes, do my blood work here in two more months, and see where I'm at. And if I'm, like, good, you know, if I'm feeling good, my blood work's good, I'm going to ride this shit out. Mm-hmm. I mean... Because, fuck. Now, for the guys that, you know, have doctors that aren't very helpful or knowledgeable when it comes to their testosterone possibly being the cause of their ED, what do you recommend for them to do as far as... Oh, you have to do your own research. Because a general practitioner or, like, a VA doctor, you know, they spend maybe two hours in med school going over the endocrine system Mm -hmm. which means they know nothing like right they don't specialize in it to actually know hey this is not normal for you or anybody you need to do x y and z they don't even know what to do right all they know is well you can do trt but yet the protocols that the physicians are allowed to do because of their bosses and stuff and like the medical boards and all that they do the worst fucking possible thing for you. It'll make you feel worse. Right. So do yourself a favor, look into it, figure out how to do it on your own. Because like I said, it can be done and you won't get fucking ass raped by the telemed clinics Mm -hmm. and you can feel a million times better. Like if you want to, you can have your blood work done through your doctor And have them read your blood work, you know, just so that if like your kidney function or liver function or anything like that is out of whack, you know to stop. But, you know, as far as prescribing what you need for TRT reasons, there is a plethora of excellent information. And doctors who actually, you know, participate in like web discussions and stuff, you know, they have practices but they know that it's a joke for men to try to get what they need. So, you know, they'll help for free just in the comments and stuff. And they'll, they'll read blood work and everything. So do yourself a favor and advocate for yourself. Because if you feel like shit, there's a good possibility if you're over 35, you have low testosterone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that that's the only thing that it could be. But it's an easy thing to check. You can go to Quest uh, Diagnostics or um, LabCorp or anything like that and get a full metabolic panel all by yourself without a prescription for like 140 bucks, and it'll tell you exactly what your testosterone is. It'll give you all of your uh, like your kidney function, your platelet levels, um, your uh, SGHB, 
the whole nine yards. It'll be like three pages long. And if you don't know how to read it, you know, you can Google what each thing means, what's normal, what's not normal. Or you can take it to your doctor and be like, hey, what's all this shit mean? So just do yourself a favor, educate yourself, join some Facebook groups for TRT, you know, get on some web forums, do your own research and see what's going to work best for you. So, all right, that was a lot of information in this show. That was. So it's no wonder it's about to go on an hour and 20 minutes. I'm sorry. That's probably why we have no listeners, (laughs) but we're trying to give you the most amount of good information in each episode as we can. So thank you again for listening. Thank you guys. And I cannot wait to go to Pod Bash. They may have some some rooms open yet, so make sure you go to frontporchswingers.com. You can become a member and check their events and see if they have any rooms left if you'd like to go to Vegas at the end of this month. And if you do, we hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Kitchen Sink ENM and Kink Podcast. Please make sure to check out the people who support us, VJ's Hotspot, The Trendy Pineapple, and also Pandora's Resort. They are really awesome people, and they love and support the lifestyle just the way we do. So please make sure that you go and check them out. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us pretty much everywhere at K-S-E-N-M and Kink Podcast. That's all the major socials. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Clapper, and also now we are moving away from OnlyFans and you can find all of our video and picture content at fansly.com slash K-S-E-N-M and kink podcast.